Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Setting the Scene. My name is Jake. And my name is Nicole. And we are the co-hosts for the podcast Setting the Scene. Michael, our usual host, is taking a break for a bit, so Nicole and I will take over until then. On the 43rd overall episode and the seventh episode in our scene, series guest spotlight, we are joined today by Ishta Kaparapu. Before we start, would you like to give us a quick introduction and brief rundown of your activities that you have been involved to the audience tuning in today? Hi, everyone. My name is Ishida Kaparapu, and I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I have a lot of extracurriculars that I do, and some of the things that we're touching on today um, is my research that I do at a professional uh, professional lab, um, and my work that I do in an uninsured clinic in my local community, as well as uh, my own nonprofit that I founded um, that strives to bring more young girls into STEM. Perfect. And just to clarify, you are still in high school, correct? Yes, I will be a rising senior in high school. Yeah, so obviously you have a very impressive resume at such a young age, and it's really nice to see that you're interested in medicine, because for me, at least, I didn't really get into medicine until I was about 18. So growing up, could you tell us about the moment where something really clicked in your head telling you that medicine was the field that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, so um, when I was very, very little, um, almost a toddler, I had uh, I, I have an aunt and uncle that are both doctors. And so that's where I first learned about what medicine is and what like the healthcare field is. But um, as I got older, summer going into sixth grade, I attended an internship in a um, hospital in Arkansas. And uh, I went to the internship and we basically role played for two weeks of different kinds of specialties of doctors. And I remember coming back and just really loving every single day, particularly when we were um, a neurologist and a genesist. So we, you know, really dealt um, with different cases, different patient cases that were fake, but it really helped me understand a little bit deeper, especially at that age, what medicine actually was. And I really, really enjoyed that and wanted to explore that further, um, which I ended up doing in high school. So on that note, one thing I noticed that you mentioned that you were doing research in high school and since me and Jake recently are undergrads um, it is really amazing to see how adventurous you were early on how were you able to find research at that age and you can you go in into depth about how you got into this research yeah, sure. So um, one thing that definitely helps is having a university nearby, which luckily I did. And so um, particularly I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. So the institution that I do research at is Case Western Reserve University, um, and they have a summer internship program. Um, but our school that um, that I go to the, our school also has a program where they place high school students in research labs. And so I was able to get the placement through my school, but I'm able to also do the internship after I applied. Um, so I get to meet with different researchers uh, during keynote sessions as well. Um, and so that's how I got the lab placement, but I'm able to sort of delve more deeper into that um, through the internship. And can you quickly talk about the research that you do? Yeah, so the research that I do, well, I work in a lab that studies neurodevelopmental and neurodegenerative diseases. So um, 
really has to do with the brain and that, that connects back to the sixth grade internship that I was talking about. Um, and so my work particularly is looking at a 3D model called organoids. Um, and they're basically a lot of stem cells that come together to create these 3D structures. They're basically like little balls almost. And so what I do is I study them and understand what the limitations of that model is and how we can improve that. So we're testing out a lot of different things. And so that's what my project is. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, I was wondering if we could go kind of more in depth with that. One thing that I wanted to say was like, I know for sure that my first day in the lab was pretty nerve wracking. Um, I always felt like I was a little clueless on what was going on and everybody around me is an expert on their field and I was only a sophomore at the time. So starting out, given your age, was it intimidating being a part of that lab with much older students and doctors and not to mention that it was at a prestigious institution like Case Western? Yeah, definitely was um, intimidating. Um, I remember like my first day in lab, I, I had no idea what anything was. I didn't know what a lab looked like. I was very, my idea of a lab was what we see in science fiction movies. So it was very different from what an actual lab looks like, um, especially at an academic institution. And so when I walked in, I didn't understand why there weren't rooms, why there were only like rows and, and benches and there was like no doors anywhere. So I was very confused. So it was definitely intimidating, different um, environment, different culture. Um, but I slowly sort of started asking questions and I started um, asking a lot of people in the lab what they're working on. And I started watching the different things that they do. And that just kind of put me at ease because I was learning something new every day. And it just was so exciting that that intimidation sort of went away. But a lot of that credit also goes to the welcoming nature of my lab and how they sort of you know, took took me on and just showed me around, showed me the ropes and um, helped me sort of learn what I know today. So with the research, you presented at conferences and competitions, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so basically with that research, um, can you describe your experience presenting it at conferences and competitions? Yeah, so um, recently, well, Recently, as in last fall, I presented at Harvard University to a, about 300 to 400 high school students that were already either in research labs or looking to be interested in research. So that audience was a little different. And so um, a lot of the things that I talked about were um, my research project, of course, but also about what it's like working in a lab, uh, especially because these people are just coming into um, the research world and they're not sure what to expect. So a lot of my uh, content was based on that. Uh, however, when I do competitions and I present my actual research on a scientific level to um, people that are in the field, know the, the science behind certain things that I'm saying, um, it's more about how much I know about the science. And, and so that's what I typically pre prepare before um, going to those competitions, just thinking about what are some of the questions that they could ask me and um, how can I prepare answers for that? And if I don't know the answer, how am I able to sort of pivot and give them something that shows that I am definitely, I know the topic, but I would want to learn about it more or just kind of go back, look at the literature and come back with an answer. So um, the difference in preparation is, is, I guess, the most evident um, between conferences and competitions. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's really impressive that you have such an extensive research experience at this age and that you're interested in medical science. But at the same time, you also work in a clinic. Can you talk more about the purpose behind that clinic, how you found it and why you wanted to begin working with them? Yeah, so this was um, just about when the second wave of COVID sort of died down. Um, and so I was looking for some kind of volunteering opportunity, but I knew that I wanted something more meaningful than um, working at a library or, you know, doing um, some service work in the community. I definitely wanted it to be something healthcare related um, and something where I could really understand what medicine is like. Um, and so I started looking into different options and opportunities. I think the most common is always looking at local hospitals and internships that they do for high schoolers. Um, because a lot of hospitals in the area typically do. And so I started there, but then I found an, a clinic, an uninsured clinic um, in my area, and I thought of reaching out. So uh, me and my mom both reached out and we asked, you know, can I work there? Can I volunteer there? Um, and initially they said no, because they wanted people that were really serious about going into medicine because the people that are working there would be interacting with the patients and the doctor, um, as that was the majority of the volunteer work. And so they said no initially, but um, when we both told the clinic coordinator there that I also do research at the time um, at a institution and I'm studying the brain and this is like what I'm working on, she was more than happy to have me come in and shadow for a day and just see how that goes because it was a first for them accepting a high school student into a clinic. Um, so I went in one day and then I shadowed. I learned about um, patient intake, how the system works, what are the vitals that we take for the patients. And then it sort of just went from there. I just started going in more often. Um, and then I just kept asking more questions. I I was one of the first volunteers when they opened back up into person. So um, now I've been working there for a year and a half now. So I have a lot more experience um, and I'm actually able to train new incoming volunteers on how to do the patient intake, how to talk to patients. Um, and I also scribe for the doctor as well. Wow, that's very amazing. So basically, since you've been gaining so much exposure and spending more and more time in the clinic, can you talk about any situations that you have have encountered that stood out to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely um, a lot. I have loved every second working there, but I think um, the biggest moment for me so far was last summer we had um, free health screenings for um, you know people in the area. They could come in and get their vitals checked, schedule appointments, um, test their blood sugar. And there was a girl that walked in, she had autism and um, she walked in with her uh, caretaker and her caretaker got all her vitals done, but she was um, struggling. She, The girl was just very hesitant. It was a new place um, and so completely understandable. Um, and so she was just very like restrained and she wasn't really um, open to people, you know, doing stuff on her, which completely makes sense. Um, and so at that point I was taking care of the blood sugar, which requires a prick of the finger. So we can actually take the blood from the, the patient and just put it in the, um, glucose monitor. Um, and so that was my job. And she was just very, very reluctant to give me her hand, um, and get that 
tiny prick. And so I remember doing a lot of things to try to make her feel comfortable. I mean, her, her caretaker said that she wanted to go to Mexico. So we had uh, a video of, you know, the famous places in Mexico playing on the side, trying to distract her, um, trying to make her feel more comfortable. Um, and so at one point I took my gloves off and just sort of made it, made myself a little bit more approachable. Um, and I, I was just trying to be as calm as possible, trying to calm her down. And this went on for like a good 30, 35 minutes. She left, she came back, she left again, and then she came back again. Um, but she ended up not getting her blood sugar taken. But that day, it really changed the way that I looked at uh, medicine, just because I've never experienced that kind of a, a situation before. And I really had to use all the knowledge I had learned working in the clinic to sort of understand how how I could calm this patient down and calm her down to um, feel a little bit more comfortable with me. Um, and she did. She just didn't want to get her blood sugar taken. Um, and so it was it was just a big, big situation for me because everyone in the clinic was trying to help me, but they really couldn't get involved because she would start getting um, erratic. And it was just, it was a very, very new situation. Uh, and I took a lot away from uh, from that situation that day that it completely changed my perspective of, of medicine, especially seeing someone almost my age, uh, you know, uh, come into the clinic like that. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. One of the things you said was that it changed your perspective on medicine, and I wanted to build on that in a larger way. So obviously, it's a clinic working with uninsured people, which mm -hmm. means that this is with underserved people as well. And for me, I'm from Philadelphia, and we have large populations of underserved people. And so when I began working in the healthcare field, I've really noticed that there are a lot of health disparities present all around us, but that's not something that people always talk about, but we all know that medicine is not perfect. And mm -hmm. I was wondering, would you say that your experiences so far have opened your eyes to the glaring issues within the healthcare field? And if so, what do you think are some of the larger issues that hinder our ability to provide equitable healthcare to everyone? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think yeah, I've definitely seen that that demographic of people because that is the majority of patients that come um, come to us. There are people that can't go to the big hospitals that um, can't get big, you know, lab tests done, x-rays done. Um, and we really try to provide them with as much care as possible. But um, us being a smaller clinic, our, there are limitations and there are certain things that we can't do, but we try to provide the best patient care as we can. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely seen that demographic that you were talking about. I think the biggest things that hinder our ability to provide equitable care is it can come back, come down to a lot of these, a lot of things, um, you know, socioeconomic issues, um, just not being able to afford healthcare. And I think that clinics like these are starting to pave that um, path and, and sort of bring us towards a more equitable um, society in terms of providing, um, you know, everyone with health care. And so I think the work that we're doing at the clinic that I am, am doing is really making me feel like I'm, I'm able to make a difference in people's lives because I see these people come in and when they leave, they, they're so grateful. And I always, I, I've never seen a patient not say thank you um, and feel so grateful for the work that we've done, even if it's just referring them to another doctor 
doctor or giving them a prescription um, or, you know, just making them feel comfortable. I think that that tiny change is, is really building up slowly and trickling into a much bigger change. So I think clinics like these um, that have people that are willing to, you know, put their time efforts in and, and just make a difference is truly going to build up one day and, and create a more equitable uh, society in terms of healthcare. That was a beautiful answer. Very beautiful. Amazing. And that was a very strong and insightful answer. Speaking about di noticeable differences within the health care field, I would love to transition to your nonprofit organization, STEM Power Her. Yeah. Not very often that people at your age come up with an with an amazing idea like like that. And what are what were some of the biggest inspirations and how were you able to get the ball rolling. Yeah, so um, a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about so far is, is very interlinked. And so is the same as the case with my organization. Uh, STEM Power Her started off um, as an idea that I had from the love of doing research. And I wanted to spread that to young girls um, and just show them what research is like, because I feel like even though there are so many STEM clubs and STEM camps and STEM programs, no one ever really talks about what research is like. And I've, I, at least I don't remember hearing anything about research. I didn't even know it was a thing until I came to high school. And so um, for me, that's where it started, but it's evolved into something way more than that. Um, so I wanted to do something where I could, you know, bring the research experience to middle school girls and help them, you know, just figure out maybe that's something they want to go into um, and just show them that STEM is STEM is really cool. And I, I wanted to share the love that I had for STEM, for medicine, uh, for research with them. And so I started it off as that idea and I sort of formatted um, my first event, which was a five-day camp around a poster session. So um, typically when you do research in an academic institution or, you know, in a clinical setting, um, when you go to a conference, um, you'll typically present your research in a poster form. And so I wanted to sort of model what that would look like over a shorter amount of time. So we took five days. And so the first four days, they all got an experiment and they basically had to troubleshoot with this experiment. I gave them very minimal instructions and materials, and they had to sort of figure out what was going wrong, if there was anything going wrong, what was going wrong? Um, what are the practical applications of the experiment? So not only like what is it on that smaller scale about how do industries use this? How do how does the economy um, use use the techniques that they're doing um, in the experiment? And so I wanted to sort of widen that uh, that approach to science and just make it a little bit more global, a little bit more universal for the students. And so once they really understood and took the deep dive into the science behind the experiments that they got, along with other experiments that we did throughout the week, uh, they created posters and presented it like a poster session um, to the parents, to, you know, each other, uh, to the people that were, you know, as part of a camp. And so that week sort of came from my love of research. And then I expanded it even more um, to sort of touch on different fields. So this year, our camp was aerospace engineering based. So we had um, a lot of engineering related activities. Um, we had a speaker from the a Women's Air and Space Museum here in Cleveland come in uh, and do an activity with them. And so we're really widening our approach now, not just research, but more fields that aren't as tapped 
in STEM programs. Right. It's really cool to see how creative you can be with this type of stuff. Um, I was curious to know, how did you initially get students to enroll in that? And like, how did you market it or advertise to parents? Yeah, sure. I think that is the biggest part of this organization. If, um, you know, if I don't have students, there's no point to doing this no matter how good the content is. Um, and so what we did for our marketing strategy is reached out to local schools um, in the area that you know fit our demographic of uh, targeting sixth through eighth grade girls. So um, all girls schools, middle schools, um, public schools, private schools, that kind of thing in the local area. We basically reached out to a ton of them and said, can you pass this on to your parent um, groups? Can you pass this on to your like school network? And so that's how we ended up getting um, people signing up for the for the program, um, just passing it through different, you know, messaging groups, Facebook groups, um, definitely big school groups. And then um, any types that we had with organizations, they also pass them on to their uh, networks as well. So that's how we sort of built the um, student network. And that's how we got people to sign up. Yeah, and it's it's nice that it's constantly growing over the years too. And I was wondering, as it's evolved, what is your favorite part about being able to lead something of this magnitude? Yeah, I think um, it's just the joy that I'm able to see on the, the kids' faces because um, I think typically when we think about summer camps, a lot of the times parents sign up their kids to go to summer camps, don't really tell them until the day before. So many people that came to my camp this year and last year, uh, it was the same exact situation. But particularly this year, um, there was a girl that came to the camp and she was she told me on the first day that she cried um, yesterday, the, the day before, as in um, when her mom told her that she was, you know, going to come to this STEM camp for, for the week. And she said she cried when she got to the camp and she was just, she was just very unhappy to be here. And then as the first day was uh, finishing up, she told me that she was really looking forward to the next day. And I think those are the moments that I do what I do. <laughs> uh, that makes me the most happy when I'm able to change someone's perspective about STEM or change the way they feel about, um, you know, healthcare, research, medicine, um, anything really STEM related. That is why I, I do this. That is why I started the nonprofit. And that's why I'm going to keep going as well. You're leaving big um what's it called I don't really have any words to explain it because it's just an amazing thing that you did creating a nonprofit organization and I know this is a little early to ask and I don't want to scare you but because you are a superstar in your own in your own way I'm sure people would like to know have you thought about where you like to go to college um, yeah, I'm starting to think about that, obviously, because I'm going to start applying for colleges uh, in in later in the summer. Um, particularly, I know certain aspects that, that I want the colleges that I'm going to apply to to have. Um, and that basically encompasses everything that I've just talked about here. So, you know, having a strong research connection. So definitely a research institution, um, some kind of hospital network so that I can continue doing, you know, clinical work and actually get inside the big hospital system and see what that's like. I've done shadowing, so I have a little bit of comparison, but I would love to, you know, go into um, a bigger hospital network and actually work with patients 
rotations there as well, which is typically, you know, you're able to do in your undergrad and in med school years. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to doing that in, in college as well. Um, and then somewhere where I can have a platform for my nonprofit, um, that I think is something that I will take with me for the rest of my life. And that's something that I'm going to keep on developing as I keep you know, gaining more experience, um, meeting new people. And so, yeah, so these three things are really important to me. And these three things I'm also looking for in the colleges that I will apply to. Do you plan on continuing to do research and working with unserved communities? Or would you like, would you be interested in branching out to other fields like business and public health? Yeah, so um, definitely still a very medical based, um, you know, career is what I'm thinking of, just because that's something that I really enjoyed with the aspect of research being a part of it. So maybe looking into clinical research, um, rather than academia research, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, but I would love to also definitely go into the public health field um, and tie that with my experience working with underserved communities, as well as bring in a business aspect as well. Um, because I think entrepreneurship is is really going to help bring all three of these things together and can really help me make a bigger difference. Um, so I, I think everything that you've just said, yes, public health, business, um, and medicine as well. These are all three things that I want to kind of go deeper into in college as well, um, just because I've sort of worked in the nonprofit area, but not really um, entrepreneurship. And so maybe shifting that focus a little bit to explore that. Yeah, it's, it's great to see that you're interested in so many different fields. And you had mentioned that you do want to carry on STEM Power Her. So I was wondering, where do you see it going? And how do you picture your role changing as you go on to college, holding on to that nonprofit? Yeah, so um, this coming year, because I will be a senior, everyone on my executive board will also um, is is going to be a senior. So we're looking for how we can, you know, train more high school students that want to do the same thing that I'm doing, have the same vision and thoughts that, um, you know, I had when I started this and sort of move that on um, and, and pass it on to a new group of high school students that we can pass it on to like, you know, train and, and help them understand what the, what the vision for the organization is. But um, I would still very much be involved by, you know, guiding them um, and helping them in any way that they need, even after I'm in college, you know, whether it's setting them up with a, a group of people, setting them up with, you know, different organizations, passing on my connections um, to them. So that's definitely one way I see um, the organization going. And um, I hope to expand that even more with more people uh, working on it, creating more chapters across the nation as well. I feel like we learned so much about you today and all of the incredible things you have been doing in your life at this point. To wrap things up, I would love to know what are some tips and advice you would give to aspiring pre-med students who are still in high school or even in middle school listening in that want to get started in their journey towards medicine? Yeah, so um, this is one thing that I've said in the past and I, and I think it really does work and I've sort of 
changed my perspective on this a little bit. So before I used to say try because the worst that can happen is fail. But I recently learned that um, failing is a very negative uh, term. So I started to look at it as try. Um, and the worst that can happen is you'll fall. Um, because once you fall, the next step is getting up and trying again. And so um, I've started, sort of started to change my perspective in that direction. So I would say anyone that wants to get started, not only in medicine research or even starting a nonprofit in really anything, um, try first, you know, reach out to those professors at universities, reach out to hospitals, reach out to doctors that you know, um, reach out to people that have worked in the nonprofit sector um, or in the STEM field or anyone that can help you and just reach out to them for help, brainstorm ideas, find people that can really um, add value to what your vision is. And, you know, the worst that can happen is they say no um, and you just try again. So I, I'm starting to look at it as you try and you fall and then you get back up and try again. That is very helpful advice. But before we end off, would you like to add anything else? Oh, yeah, um, I guess I would just say for anyone that is listening to this and feeling like intimidated, because I remember looking at high school seniors, juniors when I was a freshman and, and looking at the amazing things that they've done and feeling intimidated, um, I think I would just say to take it step by step and you'll eventually get there because that's exactly what I did. I, I think um, it can be very overwhelming to see people that have done so much in four years um, because I definitely felt that way and I continue to feel that way when I look at um, you know other high schoolers or undergrads. And so I think just taking it one day at a time, one step at a time, one meeting at a time um, will really help you sort of put things into perspective and you'll actually be able to do things much better in the long term. So yeah, I would be my last parting advice. That's a perfect way to end it. Thank you, Asita, for joining us today on the podcast. And for our audience, thank you for tuning in to our first episode of the summer for Setting the Scene. We post episodes every other Friday, so be sure to look out for our next podcast episode. We look forward to having you there. And Ashita, good luck with everything in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.